Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go get that to delete all right we are live on facebook twitter twitch and youtubes we are back for another beautiful monday show we are going to continue recapping the nfc east got matt and dennis here with me how you guys doing today go matt doing pretty good i mean it's Low 90s here, so when God has not blessed you with air conditioning, um, it was uh, low 80s in our house when I was trying to go to sleep last night. I just got home from my office where it's a nice svelte 65, and uh, it is 78 in here. That's why I, I kept lower lights. I'm hoping. Hoping you don't glisten? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, didn't want, I didn't want to fire up the fan right in front of me, which provides wonderful air, but maybe not the audio experience you're all looking yeah. for. I understand. When I wake up here in the morning in Texas, it's like 98 degrees. So uh, it's it's just beautiful. I'm glad uh, glad you guys are getting to experience that a little bit. Uh, so we've got a couple things I want to address at the beginning of the show here. First, um, we are going to preview the NFC East. We got the Giants and the Redskins to finish up the East. Uh, we're going to have three shows this week, uh, three live shows. We will have a live show on Thursday. We've got a special guest coming on with us that I'll talk about at the end. Uh, Matt Fox, who is commissioning the Listener League that I announced yesterday on Twitter. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show as well. 
We will have a Friday show where we will preview the beginning of the NFC West. I will be out of town, so we'll do it live. Uh, but the, for the podcasting audience, that's, that won't go live until the usual Monday spot. So I just wanted to throw that out there to everybody so you guys know. If you catch us live on Friday, that's why the podcast will still drop on Monday. So let's jump in and talk about the NFC East, starting with the New York Giants. Finished four and twelve last year. They missed the playoffs. Uh, what do you guys think about Joe Judge? Obviously, all these uh, coaches that have kind of branched off from the Belichick tree. I guess you could argue Bill O'Brien's been successful, uh, but really haven't been. We have not seen that much. I would honestly say Brian Flores has been the most successful with what he did with Miami last year. Boy, but it, man, genie. Yeah, it's not been pretty for his, uh, his I guess, disciples or however you want to word it. What do you guys think about Joe Judge coming into this Giants team? And, and do you think he has a chance to be successful? What are your thoughts on him altogether taking over as the head coach? I mean, eventually there's got to be some people come out of the Belichick tree that are going to be successful. I agree with your statement. Flores uh, early looks to be the one. Well, Mangini had a couple decent years. Uh, he couldn't sustain it. You know, Romeo Cornell was, and, and uh, Charlie Weiss, by all accounts, were train wrecks uh, when it comes to one loss records. You, you know, Bill O'Brien, I think, is getting the short shrift a little bit. Uh, he's made a conscious decision. He's got the power. He's going in and he's constructing the team how he thinks it needs to win. So, I don't know if it's going to be long-term or not, but he, he's definitely trying to uh, – he seems like he's got a plan and he doesn't give two shits about whether or not we understand what it is. Yeah. I think uh, for me, you know, if you had asked me who the Patriots special teams coordinator was last year, I would have not been able to answer that question. So um, it was not the most inspiring hire to me. That being said, I think it's going to be very – uh, difficult to judge any of these first-year head coaches, especially the ones that don't have prior head coaching experience based on this entire off-season and, and program. It's not like they exactly got a running head start. It's interesting to me that it's a special teams coordinator to head coach. Probably the most successful one we've seen in that vein is John Harbaugh, yeah. who was a special teams coordinator and has been a fantastic head coach for Baltimore. I know we're not a pro Ravens podcast by any standpoint. Not at probably, all. But he's been a good, you know, he's done yeah, a he's good job a as a head coach. So the Giants are a talented team um, in some areas and not so much in others. Uh, I can't wait for you to read that fantastic list of uh, incoming players from uh, 2000, <laughs> from this offseason. But yeah. it, Joe Judge, I think, you know, if we're talking about two first-year head coaches today. Ron Rivera has plenty of head coaching experience. It's going to be easier, I think, for him to slide in even to a dysfunctional organization and have a stronger impact than, than a guy like Joe Judge who doesn't really get that running head start that you'd want. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting for him. I'm rooting for him. He seemed like a really good guy from all the interviews I've seen him do and everything. Obviously, a lot of the Patriots organization speaks very highly of him and uh, I, I like a lot of the pieces that the Giants have, at least for a fantasy perspective, at least the guys that they have. So I, I, I wish them a lot of success, but I do success. But I do agree with you on the Ron Rivera thing, especially with him bringing over. Um, uh, was it Scott, is it Scott Turner. Turner? 
Yeah, as God well. He's bringing that offensive system he had with him in Carolina. So obviously, all those players still have to learn that, but still bringing that with him, I think it just brings a little bit more cohesion with them. Uh, so Matt was mentioning the new additions. Uh, they really didn't do much. Now, we're focusing mostly on the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, That's so they kind picked- to say they didn't do much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I meant like good and bad. I uh, thought you made up a couple of these names. but I did not. I was just trying to put some names on the list, so I went as deep as I could on this. Um, they picked up the fifth-year option on Evan Ingram. They signed two Buckeye wide receivers in Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor um, as undrafted free agents. I really like that they brought Corey Coleman back. Dennis was really high on him last year, did look good in the preseason before he tore his ACL. I did think that was kind of cool that they brought him back, so I, I put that on there. And then obviously their biggest move in the draft offensively was drafting uh, Andrew Thomas, which I think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley fans were rejoicing. I, I wanted the Browns to get Andrew Thomas. If you guys watched the live broadcast, you know how much that, that pained me to see him go. Uh, their losses really were just Eli Manning. He retired, uh, kind of leaving the team to Daniel Jones. And Wayne Gallman, who backs up Saquon, will be a free agent after this season. The fantasy finishes for the Giants last year. Daniel Jones finishes QB 19 with 231.3 points. Saquon Barkley, RB 11, 197.9 Darius Slayton came out of nowhere, wide receiver 36, 139 points. Sterling Shepard, wide receiver 51 with 106.9. And Evan Ingram tied in 18 with 87.4 points. So Jones is now the leader of this team. He, he's the unquestioned starter. Uh, we've actually I've seen a lot of articles talking about that with and Eli talking about how with him being gone there, he thinks Daniel Jones is really going to step up and be a leader of that team. They saw a little bit of it last year. Now that Eli's gone, it's Jones's team, no matter what. What do you guys need to see out of him to improve on year two? Well, first off, he cannot fumble the ball 18 times. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping when he um, were going to say that. You know, I, I think Jones, bring, he brings a lot to the table. He's pretty accurate. Uh, he can get the ball downfield. They have a decent receiving core with Ingram, Slayton, Shepard, and uh, Golden Tate. I, I think a lot of people forget about Golden Tate. Um, I did. Uh, I don't. You know, when I look over the show sheet, I don't really see him anywhere. And he's he, not. He, I forgot he played on the yeah. Giants. So keep talking. I'm going to update the show sheet. <laughs> Thank God we got Corey Coleman in there. So, I mean, hey, Corey Coleman is going to break out this year for the Giants. Just you watch. So, no, I think what, what Coleman provides is that lid lifter deep threat. I I don't think he's going to be consistent. Uh, Tate will be the the short guy. He's going to work out of the slot. And you've got Slayton uh, who needs to build on his rookie season. Uh, The biggest challenge I see is Ingram's health. It wouldn't surprise me if Ingram loses snaps, but maybe not necessarily targets but they take him out of the the mix so he's not uh, blocking and he becomes more of a, a big slot guy for the the most part. They do have uh, a backup tight end in Caleb Wilson that's uh I think he was an undrafted free agent or a 6 round pick of the Cardinals. But he's a 456 guy. Uh he's he's fast, 6 foot 5, 250 pounder. So he could potentially uh you know provide what Ingram can't, uh, a little more blocking and a receiving combo. So he could be, he could be the Gronk to Ingram's Hernandez, I guess, for lack of a better comparison. Before you go, Matt, Golden Tate, fantasy finish, wide receiver 46 with 113.4 points. 
I was just testing one of you guys to see if you're going to realize Tate wasn't on there. Stud. Absolute stud, Mr. Tate. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones, like a lot of rookie quarterbacks, you know, first the positive, I think that was a draft pick that was highly scrutinized when it was made. Nobody was exactly sure, you know, was it too high? Was it going to pan out? I think we saw enough in flashes to think that there's some potential there. I think, you know, we're going to talk about two rookie quarterbacks today. Of the two, he would, you know, he would be one that, that I I looked at him and, and thought, hey, that wasn't a terrible pick. Uh, you know, he looks like he, he definitely feels the safest of the two. Yeah, he, yeah. he, you know, he might feel the safest even if he threw. I, I love Drew Locke, but we saw a pretty small sample size against some mediocre teams. You know, Daniel Jones was out there slogging every day. And to his credit, you know, Saquon was injured a large part of the time. Evan Ingram, somebody breathed on him. He missed a few games. Somebody breathed on Sterling Shepard. He also missed a few games. Golden Tate, I think, was suspended to start the season. Didn't yes. come back if I remember he hadn't been there. You know, they didn't know who Slayton was. So it's not like he had his full complement of weapons. There are, you know, Dennis mentioned the fumbles. He also had 12 interceptions. He was sacked, I believe, uh, 38 times. Now, some of that's going to be because they didn't have the greatest offensive line. But some of that, as a rookie, you have to learn to get the ball out, to make better reads, to understand where pressure's coming. So I think... If I'm talking about a year two, what I'd like to see is hopefully their skill position players can be in there. Hopefully they've addressed their line, but you need to see him step up and be a little more consistent. Rain in the turnovers, uh, yeah. you know, try to get the ball out. Those are the kind of growth markers you'd be looking for. Yeah, I'm with you guys. For me, it's just the turnovers. Uh, I think he showed that he can be a very good quarterback. Obviously, he's going to have a new offensive system coming in this year, so we'll see how he handles that. But I thought he handled the offense really well last year, looked really good in games. You know, we – I don't remember where Dennis was on Daniel Jones, but we did – I didn't hate the pick of Daniel Jones to the Giants. I I was not as high on him as others, but I, I did not think that it was a bad pick. I like Daniel Jones. I would have – I openly admitted, and I'm still going to continue to say it, I think they should have gone Haskins. I still think Haskins is going to be a good quarterback. But I, I like Daniel Jones. I think he's got the talent. He showed it last year. He did, as you pointed out, Matt, proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, but I'm with you guys. It's the turnovers. It's the more the fumbles because interceptions are going to happen. I don't think 12 is over. Yeah, that's not terrible for 12 yeah, games. But, but the fumbles is what he really needs to try uh, and rein in. So Barkley was an absolute stud in his rookie season. Last year, as you mentioned, Matt kind of got injured and then still finishes RB11 for fantasy. So for us fantasy owners, finished at a decent season, obviously not what you'd hope when you drafted him. Can he catch up to CMC, though, in year three, who really seems to kind of separated himself as the number one running back? Barkley, need, he needs to get uh, – more carries. I think sometimes uh, the Giants fell in love with the passing game uh, when they should have kept running it. Uh, 13 games, he had 217 carries. He had 4.6 yards per carry average, which, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate in the analytics community as to whether or not that number really matters. But, you know, it's a number we look at when we, we look at the surface numbers. 73 targets, 52 receptions. I think that provided he stays healthy, that Barkley can put up, you know, a 275, 300 carry season and 1,200, 1,400 yards with 70 catches. And still, I mean, the Giants threw the ball 607 times last season. So I would expect they're still going to be 
pretty close to that number, especially given the weapons that they have in the passing game. So I, I don't know that they're going to get out to a bunch of big leads and sit on the ball. So I, I do expect the Giants to be around that 600 number for total passes. And that's going to help by proxy pretty much everybody in that game, uh, in that passing game. And if they all stay healthy, if Tate doesn't miss any games, Shepard doesn't miss any games, Slayton doesn't miss any games, uh, I'm not going to say that about Ingram. I don't think we I don't think we can do that to him. He's going to miss some games. Uh, it, it looks like they, that – In fact, he missed, he missed a game for, just uh, just during the time we talked about him. Correct, because I ramble. Um <laughs> But it's going to be a situation where the Giants can, uh, you know, I think I project, I think I said Caleb Wilson was on the Giants. He's not. It's actually Caden Smith. So he'll, he may be that inline blocker uh, with Red Ellison retiring. Anyways, the Giants are going to pass the ball and it's going to be good for fantasy because I don't think their defense is good enough to shut people down consistently. Yeah. And, it, you know, so this is where, you know, we talked about Joe Judge. The the real impact, I think, to the offense comes that they went out and got Jason Garrett, which I think we all would agree he had some deficiencies as a head coach, but he often produced some pretty entertaining and pretty prolific offenses. As a rookie, Saquon Barkley had 261 carries and 121 targets over 16 games. You know, we looked at Zeke last uh, last episode last week, and, you know, he has had over 300 carries each of his seasons there when Garrett was his head coach. I think Garrett likes to run the ball in a way that Pat Shermer maybe doesn't exactly. You know, it doesn't focus on as much. The question with him catching Christian McCaffrey is probably not so much is he going to get the rushing work. I think 261 should be at least a lock if he can play 16 games. I would say Dennis Strike getting up to 300 carries wouldn't be uh, that that out of range. But what separated McCaffrey last year was the dominance as a receiver. And like that's what happened with David Johnson during his huge breakout season. It's not just that he was a strong runner, it's that he was an explosive receiver. And that's that's really the question. If you looked at what Ezekiel Elliott did with Jason Garrett and what you assume will be a similar system that he wants to bring when the Cowboys didn't have much in the way of receivers, they did a lot more passing to Ezekiel Elliott, and he and he really put up those passing numbers. Barkley is capable of putting up those passing numbers. I would argue he's probably a more dynamic receiver than Elliott. But the Giants may actually have better receivers if they can stay on the field uh, than, than what the Cowboys had in some of those seasons. So that's where it's going to be interesting. Is Daniel Jones going to be checking it off or putting it to Barkley? Or is he going to be trying to go to a Slayton? Is he going to be trying to go to a Shepard, a Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram? I mean, really, we're, we're asking for 18 carries and six targets for Barkley. That's what we're asking for. Yeah, I'll be – Intrigue, because I actually think, as uh, as you guys were saying, I, I think he's been more, or in my opinion, he's been more productive as a receiver than a runner. Uh, and I would like to say, especially that rookie season, like I know he put up good rushing stats, but if you go back and think about some of the highlights that he had, and a lot of those were on catches that he had, he just made big plays on. Uh, I know he struggled kind of early on. I want to say, I can't remember, it was against Jacksonville, that first game, I can't remember if it was a run or a pass. He, he kind of like struggled all game and then had that huge uh, – Huge touchdown in that first game that really kind of got him on the uh, on the board. But 
I, I'm, I do like Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator for them. I, as, I, as you just said, Matt, he did seem to do really good as an offensive coordinator when he was there in Dallas, did struggle with that, it seemed like, as a head coach. But I, I don't think he was as bad a hire at the time as I, I feel like at least I probably made fun of it when, when they hired him. But uh, I do think that in the end he could be a very good offensive coordinator. Did uh, Darius Slayton show us enough last year to prove that he's the number one wide receiver on this team? I it depends on I guess when I think number one wide receiver I still tend to think number one fantasy wide receiver so top twelve and I don't think Slayton showed us that uh, but I do think he's he has the best combination of skills for the wide receivers on the Giants uh, he can work the downfield he's not super big I mean he's only six one one hundred and ninety pounds. So there, there is a little bit of uh, that big wide receiver game missing, and, and maybe that's what Ingram is going to have to provide. Uh, I, I think, let's see, what did he have last year? He had 84 targets with a 57% catch rate. So if he can get up into the 115 target range and knock those catches up around 75 or 80, you know that impre- improves his efficiency some. And – uh, Jones had a connection with him. They they certainly vibed, and I I don't think there's any reason to think that that's not going to continue. Yeah. So when you look at the Giants' receivers, they were all eerily close in terms of targets. Sterling Shepard got 83 targets, 85 targets for Golden Tate, 84 targets for Slayton. Uh, you know, Slayton had the fewest receptions of the three. You know, Golden Tate grabbed 49, Shepard grabbed 57, but it's what he did with them. You know, he had 740 yards and eight touchdowns, uh, you know, which was by far the most. He was averaging 15.4 yards per reception. He had the lowest catch rate among them. So, you know, it's, it feels like he's kind of more of the home run hitter guy and if he can land a couple of those you know big explosive plays he can put himself over i we didn't get enough games in my opinion of seeing all of the giants receivers on the field including their tight end evan ingram because you know going into last year with obj gone a lot of people thought shepherd and ingram were going to take a step forward some people still think they are what's unclear is what who emerges kind of as the alpha when they're all there together. And I think that's why you have a wide variety of opinions on Slayton. Some people think that he can take a step up. Uh, some people think he's going to be a great wide receiver too. I saw somebody on Twitter today uh, listing him among uh, a list of one-year fantasy wonders who turned out to be huge busts, you know, players like Braylon Edwards who had a huge year and a couple of those. So I think there's a wide variety of opinions on him. And, you know, we're just going to have to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this Giants team gets all of its pieces on the field and can actually have some decent blocking to see what they could do, how much well, fun they might be to watch. Yeah. Looking on pro football reference, I'm going to assume that yards before the reception um, is the same as air yards or very similar yeah, I think so. to air yards. So Slayton had 11.5, Tate 8, and Shepard 7. So his efficiency makes sense that it would be lower, his catch rate, because he's down the field more. He's taking the deep shot. So uh, it is going to be important that him and uh, Jones improve that 
efficiency if he's going to take that step up. All right, so if Slayton does continue to progress with him and is that number one, at least a downfield threat, who are you taking as the two, Shepard or Golden Tate? I think I'm taking Tate. Consistency injury? Is that what you're worried about with Shepard? No, I just think that – I I think that Tate and Shepard are pretty close, and uh, I, I, I don't have their ADP in front of me, but I just feel like Tate's more productive. Yeah, Tate, uh, you know, Tate had fewer receptions, but he had twice as many touchdowns and he had more yardage uh, than Shepard. You know, I want to like Sterling Shepard, but I feel like Golden Tate's maybe more reliable. And had he not had the suspension, he might have been a thousand yard receiver last year. Uh, give me Shepard. I can't quit him. You know, he's, he's, he's my, my MVS. For Dennis. I just, I just can't quit him. I can't do it. I like the talent. He's going to eventually show up. Uh, I, I like Shepard. Uh, so what do we I think, expect? I, I think the best we can hope for Shepard is that he flashes Jarvis Landry stuff. You know, I he's got that he seven, that seven, seven and a half yard, uh, target depth. I think that's, that's what he's going to have to do, but he, he's not, he isn't as tough as Landry. He's not as yeah. consistent as Landry. He misses more time than Landry. But I think you'll see games where he's going to have these 10, 11 target games when the game plan dictates it. They're just not going to game plan for him near as often. But I, I that if he can grow into 80% of Jarvis Landry, I think that that's sort of the ceiling for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, for me, it's just the injuries. He he can't stay on the field, and I think that's what has caused the inconsistencies in his game as well. So he's not able to really develop that chemistry with anybody. We saw at times when he had those long stretches of being on the field with Eli Manning, he was a really good wide receiver. He was uh, fantasy viable every single week. It's just the injuries keep him off the field. Uh, speaking of injuries, they've got two guys that are really kind of viable for fantasy that always tend to get injured, and that is, as you mentioned earlier, Dennis, Evan Ingram, who just twisted his ankle during your long soliloquy earlier, and Sterling Shepard, as we were just talking about. Are you going to buy into either one of these guys for the 2020 season? I, I, you mentioned their ADPs. I'll tell you what they are really quick. So Shepard's is 113, and Golden Tate's is 62. I could see myself having more Shepard than Tate just based on him being uh, twice as cheap. Uh, Tate's actually cheaper than Shepard. That was Ingram. Sorry, Evan Ingram. Those are Evan Ingram and uh, Sterling Shepard's ADPs. Oh, oh. yeah, uh, you that- said Tate. Oh, did I say Tate? Uh, That's why I was like, Tate's ADP is 62. Holy crap. No. No, Apparently no, no. everybody's Evan- drinking the Tate Kool-Aid. Evan Ingram's is 62, so he's getting drafted in about the fifth round. Uh, Shepard's is 113, so ninth round. So would you take a shot on either one of them with their ADPs, knowing the injury history that comes with them? Well, that but, so where's that put put Ingram at? Tight end what? Uh, let me pull back up. He is tight end four right now, actually, which yeah. is kind of surprising. That's too high. That's yeah. I, that's... I, uh, I Earlier this offseason in a startup, I drafted Mark Ingram in front of our boy uh, Chris Miles, noted oh, yeah. Baltimore Ravens fan, and he immediately turned and traded me the very next pick and something else, and I took Ingram because at that point I was like, oh, there, I love I, I I love Andrews, but I'm okay with Ingram there. It, it was like the fifth round or fourth round or something, 
And as soon as I did it, I was like, man, I don't fucking like this at all. I don't care what bonus I got. You just felt you needed an Ingram on your roster, and it was either going to be the Ingram with an I or an Ingram with an E. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I think the reason people can't quit him is he he only appeared in eight games and started six and got 68 freaking targets last year. So, I mean, it's like when he's on the field, they want to find him. He got 44, had three touchdowns. When he's on the field, you get, but that's the, when he's on the field, he only appeared in half their games, was only able to start, you know, six of 16. That's what gives me a moment of pause. I have him, you know, in a league where he's going into the year, my my starting tight end, but I sure as hell made sure I had, you know, I, I have the Austin Hooper Dallas Goddard option behind him for the inevitable 10 games he's going to miss. That's what makes him... Yeah. Attractive. I don't get the people that want to, especially in Dynasty, want to put him up there in the top 10. I feel better taking Ingram as like the 12 to 15th tight end off the board because he has great upside. And when he's there, you feel good. You know, when you, the like first game of the season, when he's not on the injury report, you feel good about putting him in your lineup. But he just hasn't been reliable. And for him to be going tight end four, boy. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be that he it it has to be the thought process that he's got to stay healthy sooner or later. I mean, his snap count rookie year seventy two percent, sophomore year forty six percent, last year forty two percent. That's that's not a good trend. If no. he can get it back up to fifty five or sixty percent, but his his route run per snap stays high then I think there's value there, but it's certainly not top four value. Yeah, my favorite uh, thing I've ever done with Evan Ingram is after his rookie season, I traded him and Joe Mixon and got the number one overall pick, which turned into Saquon Barkley. So thank you Uh, for that. I don't know. I think I might rather have Mixon and Ingram over Barkley. Well, I already – I had George Kittle, so I'm all right. It it turned my – I can't remember what what year did – Chubb came out the same year as Barkley, right? So I got Chubb as well. Because I still have my first round pick, so like my running back core right now is Zeke Barkley Chubb. So I did all right. You'll do all right with that, I guess. Yeah, right and you'll it. still finish in tenth place in your league. No, I finished second. I lost badly in the championship game thanks to fucking Odell Beckham and Devontae Adams. That's 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 what I get for trusting in too many Browns. All right, so let's do some <laughs> over and under. We'll state it as we always do: over, bad, under, good. Do I need to put it in the chat so we remember? I'll, I'll put it in the chat. Okay. Over, bad, under, good. Daniel Jones, QB 14 in 2020. Uh, I'm going to say under. I've been drafting him in the top 10, so I'm, I got got to stick with my what I've been doing. I like it. What about you, Matt? Um, I feel like I'm going to say a slight over. I am going to go under as well. I think with the rushing, and we talked about a couple weeks ago, whatever that was, we were just talking about because I thought he finishes like QB9 or some shit like that. Uh, I, I think with the rushing upside that he has, I, I think he's going to finish right around 12. So I'm going to go a slight under for Daniel Jones. His ADP is 134. He is being drafted as the 14th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, and Tua Tunga Bioa. Are you taking Daniel Jones over any of those three? Tua, Rodgers, and who? Ryan, Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, that's tough because so Ryan is definitely at the end of his career, super productive on a productive offense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Tua is at the beginning of his career. And I feel like I'd take Jones over Tua as much as I love Tua just because I know what I I feel like I know what I'm getting. And who was the third one again? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I, I'd take Jones over Rodgers. I would take Daniel oh, Jones. I, look, it's on my screen. I guess I could have read it. <laughs> look, it's the end of a long day. It's Monday, guys. So I mean, We're all feeling Monday vibes. Um, I would take him over Tua because, you know, I think Jones, we saw last year, we have a better feel for, for him being able to succeed at this level. And I would probably take him over um, Matt Ryan just because of the, the long term. I it'd be close with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I I think Rodgers has a few years left. What gives me pause is as we discussed, he you know, his offense and opportunity in that offense seem to be trending down. Whereas if the Giants can put it together, you know Daniel Jones may have a better complement of weapons. So that one's probably a coin flip for me. Uh, I would take him over all three. Uh, now, if it was Justin Herbert on there, I would not take him over Herbert, but it is Tua. So I would take him over Tua just because you guys both mentioned it. Uh, they're both in the beginning of their career. Hashtag brand. Exactly. And, uh, Can we, know we talk you into getting a tattoo of Daniel Jones' face over your lower back? If, uh, right if next to the Dolphin. If he wins the Justin Herbert, I will get a Daniel Jones tattoo. How about Daniel uh, Jones riding a Dolphin? There we even yeah. better. <laughs> better. Uh, but yeah, we, we see what Daniel Jones has done. Uh, so is I do still think Tua is going to be a good quarterback, but Jones has already proved it in in one year with us. You guys mentioned a bad offensive line, weapons injured all season long, and he proved he could be a very good quarterback. So I'm gonna stick with him. Uh, the reason I take him over Ryan is just what Dennis mentioned earlier. He's at the back end of his career where I feel like Jones is going to take that step forward this year. Ryan always finishes between like three and eight a QB. So if I think Jones can finish up at 10 to 12 this year, that's not that much of a difference in points. I'm going to have Jones longer. And then, Matt, you mentioned it with Rodgers. Uh, my thinking on that is they keep talking about how much they want to run the ball. I think Rodgers still going to throw it. You know him and Adams are going to get theirs, but Daniel Jones brings, as I mentioned earlier, that rushing ability, possible rushing touchdowns. I think they're going to have to throw the ball more because they'll be behind more. So, so give me Daniel Jones and longevity. Uh, just after him, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, and Drew Locke. Uh, would you take any of those three over Daniel Jones, Matt? I would take Drew Locke. Hashtag on brand. Anybody else? <laughs> just Drew Lock. Yeah, yeah just right. Drew Lock. Yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah, God, yeah, uh, not a consideration for anyone. Well, yeah, I'm with you on that. I I would not take uh, any of them as much as I, as big a fan of Stafford as I am. Um, in part. You know, Stafford, while he, he's younger than Rodgers and Ryan, he, he has had a little more uh, injury issues. Uh, I, I feel like Locke and Jones are, are a toss-up pretty much. Uh, I, I like Locke. I've acquired a decent amount of him. Goff, no. But back to referring to the before, Rodgers and Ryan, you know, I, I think you have to go Ryan over Rodgers – if you're gonna, you couldn't. If you're gonna not take Ryan, you can't take Rogers. Rogers is Rogers is two years older than Ryan in a worse offense. So I, you, you know, the argument can be made at 34 years old. It you may take. 
I, I guess I can see the argument for, for Ryan over Jones at 34 if I think he's going to have three, maybe four more high-end seasons. He seems to have gotten away from that uh, one season up, one season down roller coaster he was on for a while. I think to your point, what, what would be the most concerning to me about Stafford uh, is I, I like him too, and I think he'll finish higher than him this year, but it feels like there's a little more negative energy around a long-term home in Detroit. And we've seen this offseason, especially some guys that have talent that are quarterbacks that end up getting cut free that don't land in a optimal position. So I think that's something you have to, the Giants are pretty well committed to Daniel Jones. Um, So you have a little more stability there. Yeah, I would uh, I would not take any of them over Jones. Locke would be a toss up for me as well. Uh, big on him. But I, my argument, if I made the argument that Jones proved more than Tua, he proved more than Locke last year, and so I, I would stick with Jones just because I know what I have. I like Locke, love the weapons he's got around him, uh, but give me Daniel Jones because he's proven it. Saquon Barkley RB two in twenty twenty over or under. Ah, I'm going to say push. Can't push. Can't Got to go over or under. I mean, it comes down to how much regression do we expect out of McCaffrey? Just enough to make Barkley number one. Because it was – because it wasn't that – there was like 70 or 80 points. Yeah, it was like 70 points. It was 70 or – yeah, I think it was be- – Between yeah, was McCaffrey and RB2. So that's a fairly substantial amount of regression. Um, you know, it looks like if Zeke got COVID, then he may be healthy all season. And so, uh, I don't know. Let's let's go with uh, over. I'm gonna may, say, we'll call him three. I'm going to say under purely because, you know, we talked about repeating as number one running back is near impossible. McCaffrey has as good a shot as any. Uh, but we all think, you know, Barkley underperformed a little bit. And, you know, if they're going to give him 300 carries, you know, he got 1,300 yards and 261 carries. God only knows what he gets if you give him 39 more carries. So I'm going to go – I'm going to take the bet and go under. I'd rather bet that way with, with Barkley with his talent than bet the other way. I am going under as well. I think CMC takes a step back just because I think it's Curtis Samuel time. Curtis Samuel, Teddy Bridgewater, CMC's okay, going to lose. I'm not out. signing off on Curtis Samuel. That's the reason that he takes a step he's back. To, he's going to lose out on some of those receptions. It's going to allow Barkley to just sneak It's going to be Robbie Anderson. That's who. It's definitely not going to be Ian Thomas. <laughs> uh, right, he can had you to- kick him out of here? Go ahead. <laughs> I was like, can you kick Matt out of here for that last comment? And so, all right. So, Dennis. Uh, so he actually has an ADP of one with CMC. It has been almost exactly split on him going one or CMC going one. Uh, so obviously it doesn't really make much sense to say, would you take him over CMC? It's probably a coin flip for all of us, right? It just kind of depends on the mood you're in. So right after him, though, would you take Zeke, Kamara, or Cook, who are all literally being drafted right behind him? Uh, in all formats, are are you taking any one of those three over Barkley, or is it clear for you guys that CMC and Barkley is the top of the draft? The only case I could make for taking one of those other three at number two is diversification. 
That's literally, there's, there would be no other reason. If I'm doing a bunch of startups or best balls or something, and I've got, and, and I'm at a 75%, 80% share of McCaffrey, then it's time to take some Barkley. Or, or it's time to take some of those other guys over Barkley or McCaffrey. 80% of your leagues, you got the number one pick. Like, it's time for you to start playing the slots, friend. Matt, I can lose money like nobody's business. Or is it just because you're always the celebrity? It could be. It is. I mean, you make a case for Cook, who obviously is just a generational talent. Oh, wait. No, that's, he is that's generational a talent. So you would take no, Cook. I'm glad you're finally coming around. You were able to no. sit with it over the weekend and think about how good Dalvin Cook is. And you come around. Uh, to I'm, I'm proud of you, man. To me, Barkley and CFC have kind of separated themselves. It's interesting. Last year, it seemed like uh, you know there's always a couple of of players that are you know right in that discussion. Last year, it seemed like Kamara was getting talked about with those guys as as sure bet one two threes, and we saw that that just isn't isn't the case. It feels like those two have kind of separated themselves right now. Yes, I agree. But in 2021, we will be talking about Nick Chubb being up there. So. If you have it handy, what was the diff- what was the gap between RB two and RB three? Uh, are you talking about ADP? Well, what are you talking about points? The well, points. For, oh, I can pull it up here in two Barclay seconds. wasn't RB two last year though. No, he was right. he was RB nine. But I'm it just was, curious because was the the generational talent that is Dalvin Cook was RB two. Oh no, I'm sorry, it was Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook was uh, yeah. three. It well, was... Aaron Jones did it with those 19 touchdowns. Which yeah, so crazy. I'm horrible at math, so I'm subtracting right now because uh, I was told there would be no math. Uh, uh, nope, that's not right. 392 minus 276. 160. Oh, man, that's 120 points. So we were off. The 70 must have been the Patrick. Mo- no, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson yeah, was the quarterback was 70 point difference. So yeah, 160 between him and points between Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. And then Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook were split by 10 points. And then Zeke was 15 points behind uh, uh, wow. Jones. So. so really, McCaffrey was way out there, and everybody else was kind of bunched up. Yeah, yeah. It was very close at the top outside of McCaffrey. <laughs> So, Matt, you want to change? Are we all going on, uh, over now on Saquon Barkley? Over here, he's the CMC. No, because, I mean, if if Barkley plays behind a better offensive line and a more efficient offense a full 16 games, I, I mean, we saw what his, what his numbers were. He had 91 receptions on 121 targets and 1,300 rushing yards on 261 carries as a rookie, 11 TDs rushing, and I believe four TDs uh, receiving. Um, I'm trying to photographic memory it because I've moved on to Washington. But, I mean, I think there's potential for him to do better uh, than those numbers, in which case, you know, if McCaffrey, we have to remember, potentially their offense got better, depending on how you feel about Robbie Anderson, how you feel about Teddy Bridgewater, how you feel about Thomas. And they're learning a new, new, you know, a new scheme with a new coach. They arguably – you know, you could see McCaffrey have fewer targets because they're not just force feeding him the ball. So it's not unreasonable to think he comes back to earth and Saquon goes back to closer to his rookie form. In which case, I think they're pretty close. Well, they honestly, of the top five, Cook and uh, Kamara are the only are the two not having to deal with a new offense. Yeah. 
So just pulling up their rookie seasons here, um, or Saquon's rookie season, because I think McCaffrey was in for one year, right? He came in the year before Barkley, am I remembering, yeah. or two years yeah. before? No, he came in the year before. Year before. Uh, so McCaffrey still outscored him in Barkley's rookie season, 325 to 318. So McCaffrey has had him beat the past couple of years. But they're so. close. They are close. They are much closer in 2018 than they were in 2019. That is a, that is for sure. All right, so uh, big play slay here. Wide receiver 22 in 2020. Over for me. Uh, I don't know why you would think a cornerback would have that many catches. <laughs> <laughs> because Dak Prescott's going to throw a ton of interceptions this year. That's why. Um, Still but, not going to be the Darius Slayton. <laughs> but Darius Slayton, I'm going to go under. I think he can squeak in there at the, as a bottom end too. I'm going to go over because I think he's going to finish as twi- 24, as li- literally the last wide receiver in that in that tier two. Uh, his ADP is 86, wide receiver 41. Just before him, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, and Michael Pittman. Uh, would you take him over any of those three? I will uh, – I would take him over Johnson for sure. Higgins and Pittman would be a toss-up because I love Higgins and Pittman, but they haven't proved what Slayton has, but I still love their talent more. So it would just be a coin flip for me, but it it would be an easy thing for me to take him over Deontay Johnson. I don't even think that's close. What about you guys? That's probably wide receiver three range for me on my team. And so I'm, I'm, you know, for some reason I just haven't pulled the trigger on Johnson. Um, and if I'm looking at wide receiver three, that's somebody I'm expecting to start for me. So I'm not probably going Higgins or Pittman, especially with this offseason. So I'm going to say no, I would not take any of them before him. I mean, you would take him over all three? Correct. They're all going before him. Correct. Matt, what about you? I would take all three of those before Slayton. Interesting. Okay. Uh, just after him, Brandon Cooks, Nikhil Harry, and T.Y. Hilton. Would you take any of those three over him? Nope. I would take Hilton and Cooks. I would probably take Hilton, but not Cooks and definitely not Nikhil Bust-Harry. There ain't no way I'm taking that guy over Darius Slayton. Sterling Shepard, wide receiver 35. Over so before we move on, I, I think we have to we, – we can't bury the lead with Pittman, Pittman going over Hilton. Yeah. Uh, and Everybody, so, I mean – there has to be it, something's got to give. There is is Noodle Arm Rivers going to throw the ball that many times to support those two wide receivers? Plus Paris know, he, Campbell and Jack Doyle. Well, you know, as much as I love Campbell, I'm not counting on Jack Doyle for anything outside of just being there. So, I, I mean, I think so. There were times when he was able to make Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both fantasy viable. I think it was more Mike Williams being hurt as much as he was than anything else. So Philip Rivers it, threw the ball 591 times last year, completed four, 390, 4,615 yards, 23 TDs, 20 INTs. His problem wasn't throwing a lot or even getting a lot of yardage. It was it was that he Jameis Winston did all over the yeah. field. But I also think they're going to run the ball more with Jonathan Taylor this year. So I do think you're going to take some of that away. He's not going to throw it that much. But let's save that for the Colts show. Let's, let's not get off track here. We got we got a whole lot of other things we got to get to. So Shepard, yes, over, under, yes, no, 35? I'm going to say over. Yeah, hey, I'm going to say over too. 
as am I. ADP of 113, wide receiver 55, just ahead of him, Jamison Crowder, Preston Williams, and Brian Edwards. Are you taking him over any of those three? I am not. Uh, pro- you, you know, Crowder is criminally underrated, and I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to take all three of them over over Shepard. I mean, Definitely. The closest press. question is probably Edwards, but if you're in Dynasty, that's a hedge because you think he's going to be the number one for the Raiders. And if you're that far down, you know, do I want the corpse of Sterling Shepard or some promise? Yeah, uh, for, for me, yeah. it's it comes down the closer. The only one in question for me was Crowder, and part of that is the Jets. Adam Crowder Grace. is extremely underrated, and I would take Shepard over him in a heartbeat. So that's just me, though. Edwards and Preston, I think, are both uh, much better players than Shepard. Just behind him, Marvin Jones, Paris Campbell, and Anthony Miller. Are you taking any of those three over Shepard? I'm definitely taking Jones, and I'd probably take Miller and Campbell both as well. I'm definitely taking Marvin Jones because if you're looking for a, a veteran in that slot, I mean, I think we all think he's going to have a better year. I would probably take Anthony Miller too because I still hold out hope that the Bears are going to remember that he exists. Paris Campbell's a tough one. I was so hopeful for him last year, and he just didn't show us a lot. I, you know, if I'm gambling, I might take Shepard over him. I would take Jones just because, as we talked about, getting this is like wide receiver four territory. You're getting a wide receiver in Jones who's proven he can be a wide receiver two every single year. So that's a ton of value right there for me. I would take Jones. Outside of that, I would not take Campbell or Miller. Tate, wide receiver 38 in 2020, over or under Dennis? Over. Yeah, or no, Tate, over. 38, I'm going to go under. I think he's going he's gonna to finish better than Shepard. Okay. So I'm Matt. Over as well. I'll go over. Since I forgot, Dennis. I think Dennis went under. Settled on under. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He did. Yeah. All right. ADP of one thirty-five. He's being drafted as wide receiver fifty-nine. Just ahead of them, Anthony Miller, Paris Campbell, and Marvin Jones. Are you taking him over any of those three? Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, Probably not. Uh, mostly because I think I believe in Jones's production more, and I would go younger with Miller and Campbell over Tate, so probably not. Yeah, I wouldn't take him over any of those guys. Neither would I. Right behind him, John Brown, Julian Edelman, and Robbie Anderson. Are you taking any of those three over Tate? I toy with taking John Brown. Uh, I've, I've, I, I, I've, I've occasionally convinced myself that. Uh, Stefan Diggs is going to open it up for John Brown a little bit more. I would take Anderson and Edelman. I would probably take Brown and Edelman. I'm not a big believer in Robbie Anderson, so I would take Brown and Edelman. Uh, Evan Ingram, tight end 10, over or under? Over. Over. I'm going to go under. Stays healthy this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. Let's go, Evan Ingram. Uh, his ADP of 62 tied in four, as we mentioned earlier, uh, going just ahead of him. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. Are you taking him over any of those three? 
No. No. Behind no. him, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, and Noah Fant. Are we taking them, any of those three, over Ingram? I'm probably taking all of them over Ingram yeah. now. Okay. Taking all of them over Ingram. I would take Ertz and Fant. I would not take Waller. Uh, I'm not that big a believer in Oakland and their offense, so I would I would keep Ingram there. The Washington Redskins, the winners of the NFC East in 2020. They finished 3-13 and last year. Out of the playoffs, obviously. Jay Grudy got fired. All kinds of things happened. Brought over Riverboat Ron, as we mentioned earlier, who was extremely successful in Carolina. I believe had like one bad season early on. Obviously took him to a Super Bowl. They were in the playoff hunt a lot. Obviously really bad year last year, why he got fired. What do you guys think about Riverboat Ron coming over to Washington, and do you think he can succeed with that very young defense that has a lot of great talent on it? Well, Chase Young certainly isn't going to make it hard. I mean, they've. I, I was just talking with uh, FF Evan Lucian yesterday. He was drafting IDPs, and we, we had a nice long conversation about uh, Matt Ioannidis, and you know he had eight and a half sacks last year from the defensive tackle position. Uh, I, I feel like that that defense has an opportunity to really gel, and when you add a playmaker like Chase Young to it uh, to go with Ryan Kerrigan, you know they've got those two big Alabama boys in the middle. They're certainly going to be stout against the run and have the ability to put pressure on the quarterback. And nothing helps the secondary like a good pass rush. Yeah, I, I like the hire of Ron Rivera. I think he's going to be uh, good there. I was mildly surprised that they decided to fire him in Carolina, especially when they did, uh, given some of the situation they were dealing with. Uh, you know, I think they have some potential pieces on defense. I am not as optimistic as you that this is a one-off season turnaround. You know, I think he can eventually be successful there, but uh, I think it's going to take him more than a, a couple of uh, COVID interrupted months to get there. What do you think? I, I, would it be considered a success at seven wins or six wins? Oh, sure. I, I think they could easily get to seven and nine, eight and eight this year. I mean, they. And that would be a huge step up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just look at it this way. I mean, I, I'm joking about them winning the NFC. Maybe. We'll see. We're not doing our predictions yet, but. Um, I mean, think about it. The Eagles won it at eight and eight last year, right? Or nine and seven? I can't remember. I'll scroll up. I guess I did. So I, the way I feel like this tattoo is trending is it's going to be Ron Rivera and Daniel Jones embracing each other astride a dolphin. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Uh, it'll be like a Dwayne Haskins with the headband on or something. But uh, no, nah, I think they could easily turn it around. I like. I like Ron Rivera a lot. I think they've got a ton of great weapons on defense, as you guys were just talking about. And then, obviously, bringing over Scott Turner on that offense, if he can kind of turn this team, the biggest thing is going to be what we're going to get into and like the 80 running backs that they have on their roster. And if anybody can do anything and what they can do with that wide receiver core. Uh, but their new additions, uh, Thaddeus Moss, which you'll understand why I bring him up here in a little bit, uh, is an underdraft. No, I won't. For Dennis. <laughs> no, I won't. So you will when you see the tight end room that I have on down here. It's ridiculous. Uh, drafted running back slash wide receiver Antonio Gibson, wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden, and they signed Peyton Barber. Their losses that were, I guess, somewhat fantasy-relevant, Paul Richardson and Chris Thompson. Fantasy Can we pause fantasy and say that that's a list that reminds me of Office Space when it says, hey, you're missing those guys? I wouldn't say I'm missing them, though. <laughs> 
Uh, Dwayne Haskins, QB 34 with 87.7 points, but he didn't really play until week 11. He got two spot starts or play or was playing a little bit in between there, but outside of that, didn't get his actual first start. Arguably, he never played at all in the season. I disagree with you. 87 points for fantasy in, in like six weeks. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Darius Geis, RB63 with 53.9 points. Adrian Peterson, running back 30 with uh, 130.2. Peyton Barber, who was with Tampa Bay last year, running back 41 with 105 points. Terry McLaurin, uh, the obviously obvious star on this team, wide receiver 29 with 162.9 points. And then St- St- Steven Sims, I always forget yep. his name is yeah, Steven Sims came on late as well wide receiver 76 with 70.5 points much like Daniel Jones as we mentioned earlier was a rookie last year what is it you expect him to uh or what do you want to see out of him in week two moving forward Dennis and Matt regressing since you don't like Haskins we'll we'll, we'll, we'll phrase it that way well for me it's it's gonna come down to him making good decisions uh, to get rid of the ball when it's not there. Uh, I know Haskins has lost a little bit of weight and he's looking nimble in those uh, uh, videos that they're showing, but he's not a runner. Um, he's got a good arm. He can get the ball downfield. And with the wide receivers they have in McLaurin, Sims, uh, Harmon, Gandy Golden, uh, Cam Sims, uh, Trey Quinn, they definitely have some options uh, when it comes to the wide receiver position after Terry McLaurin. It's just going to come down to one of them stepping up. But based on Turner and uh, Rivera's history, I don't know how much you can expect out of a second wide receiver. I, I think it's going to it's going to be Terry McLaurin uh, and a lot of it. And then it comes down to can Darius Guy stay healthy enough to give a boost to the running game? So I feel like Haskins is going to be the starter. They're going to give him a legitimate shot. They're going to let him have some leeway to make mistakes because they don't have to be perfect this year. They can let him grow. And one of the best ways to grow is to play. He's 22 years old. and, and I got to be honest, uh, you know, Case Keenum ain't the answer. Who's well, their backup there? At one Kyle of the Allens. Allen. Yeah, he's Allen. not the answer either. Case Keenum definitely not the answer because yeah. he's with Baker. Yeah, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at last season. Yeah. So you know, I'm with you. The the biggest advantage is um, there's not a lot of pressure, you know, to to put up these Patrick Mahomes like numbers. Nobody thinks Washington's ready to go. Uh, you know, right now they're they're a project, and you know if we're gonna say Daniel Jones didn't have the greatest line to work behind and Drew Locke didn't have the greatest line to work behind, I think we both would have taken the Giants and the Broncos line over what the Redskins had last year, and that didn't get any better dealing Trent uh, Trent yeah, Williams Trent to Williams. San Francisco. Um, you know, so there's going to be a learning curve. They they have some young players that potentially have, you know, could be productive on offense. I think defining, you know, taking a step forward last year by all the metrics, Dwayne Haskins struggled mightily and was one of the worst quarterback options, 
you know, even if he just moves up into the 20s, I think that's taking a step forward, shows a little bit of consistency, shows a little bit of ability that's going to be, you know, positive. He wasn't probably as horrible as we remember. Their entire team was just so bad. I think it was really the frustration for most of us who had Terry McLaurin just seeing him not be able to finish, you know, where the track that we thought he could have been on. Which was probably the most surprising since they played in college together. Yeah, well, I mean, Terry McLaurin did do much in college as a Buckeye fan. Not, I'm, they did not use him at all the way even Washington uses him, but that is more on Urban Meyer, I think, than anybody else. Uh, I think Haskins is going to take a step forward. I think he just needed to get out there and play. I think all the yo-yoing back and forth about would he be the starter, I think all the, the strife with him and Jake Gruden as well didn't help with the fact that Daniel Snyder wanted him. Gruden really did not seem to want anything to do with Haskins, uh, which obviously can't help you grow at all when your head coach doesn't want you on the team. Uh, I think if Ron Rivera clearly has come in and said they want Haskins, uh, I believe in Scott Turner with what he was able to do in Carolina, especially when Cam was out, making guys like Kyle a- Allen look good at times. Uh, I think Haskins is much more talented than that. I think give him this full year. Obviously, we keep mentioning, I feel like we got to put a disclaimer down at the bottom that this COVID-19 is going to mess up a lot of things for a lot of teams. Uh, but I think Haskins can definitely move forward and be a, you know, right around QB 20-ish to 24 uh, this year, given a whole season as a starter given all the reps and everything, when they're actually able to get back to practice and all that. So I I believe in Haskins. I I just think he's too talented from what I saw at Ohio State for him to not be at least good. I'm not saying he's going to be great, but I I think he's just too talented to not be at least good on on, on a team that has the talent that Washington does on offense. So last year, Washington threw the ball 479 times. And I'm not sure, given the potential for Washington's defense to be good, uh, and the potential for the run game to be productive, you know, they could buckle down. It may not be a super productive offense, uh, and so while he may he, he may improve based on volume if he starts all sixteen games. <laughs> am I wow. that, am I locked? Shots. No, no Jared's comment Jared. on the bottom. Oh, You're sorry. wrong, no matter what. So. That's the confidence uh, that we're looking to inspire in listeners. All right. Well, sorry, I was looking at the stats. But, uh, you know, if they if they only put up 500 passes again next year, that's a situation where Haskins could look good in real football, but maybe not be necessarily productive, super productive for fantasy. And if their defense is playing well, you know, they're going to play it close to the vest to try and win. So, well, I do like Haskins a lot. I've acquired uh, some shares of him, um, but I'm not expecting him to be a league winner for me. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to be a league winner either. I I think that'd be asking a little bit too much. So, So what the hell are we doing at running back here for Washington? They've got... Peyton Barber, Josh Ferguson, Antonio Gibson, Darius Geis, Bryce Love, J.D. McKissick, and Adrian Peterson all on the roster. And, I forgot about Bryce Love. Yeah, and with what the as bad as this organization seems to be run most of the time, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring all of them with them into the season. So if you had to trust two guys, say pick two guys that you think could, could be fantasy relevant here in 2020, what two would you pick off the, that list? I'm taking Geis and Barber. 
I'm taking Antonio Gibson and Adrian Peterson. I'm taking Gibson and Geis. And I'm I'm gonna steal Dennis's thunder here. Don't sleep on Bryce Love. Don't don't sleep on him. I know Dennis was a big fan out of Bryce Love. Uh, but if he can come back a little bit healthy, if Geis gets banged up, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Bryce Love than we do Adrian. If Peter. Geis gets banged up, I have more faith yeah. in Evan Ingram playing 16 games than Darius Geis you know, playing 10. We said the same thing about Keenan Allen for years. And I look at the, look at him go now. Look at him go now. He never gets hurt. Just need that one season. It might be coming for Geis. He could have played at the end of last year. They just you know had nothing to play for, so they let him sit. But I, I think – I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Antonio Gibson and guys, that's who I'm going with. I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Can the wide receiver position, position produce more than one fantasy relevant player? And that being Terry McCord. Can, can we expect Sims, AGG, Kelvin Harmon, who a lot of us liked last year, namely this guy. Can any of those guys, do you guys think be fantasy relevant? When I say fantasy relevant, high end wide receiver three. Not on a consistent basis. I would expect four second wide receiver, three weeks. <laughs> it's just because I just don't see the volume being there. Even if they pull Haskins and they go with Allen, that defense is going to have to be what carries them. And they're, they're going to try, they're going to hammer the ball. They're going to try to shorten the game by running the ball uh, while they get things taken care of. Uh, it, it's just a situation that doesn't, to me, it just doesn't lend itself to there being a second wide receiver that I would want any more than, say, a wide receiver five. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think someone there besides McLaurin is going to have value at certain weeks, but trying to predict it's going to be a little tough. You know, I've taken some end-of-the-draft shares of Steven Sims. Uh, Gandy Golden's a guy you can get really late in rookie drafts. You know, those aren't bad. Hedges, you know, Harmon could be there too. But it just, you know, especially with, uh, I agree with Dennis, I don't think they're going to be the most high-powered pass offense either. So uh, that reduces opportunities. Um, and, you know, I think part of the appeal to me of, of Gibson is thinking they're going to pass to him. So, you know, you could also be talking about, you know, out of the backfield players taking targets and stuff away. So, there's nothing nothing at this point in time. If you're relying on another Washington receiver to be a starter or a reasonable flex option for you, you have other problems. Uh, I agree with you guys. Uh, I think AJG, AJG could take a step forward maybe next year, but I'm not really expecting anything this year. If I had to pick somebody, give me Thaddeus Moss, baby. And we'll talk about that again here later. <laughs> Dennis wants to boot you off the show. It's a good thing he doesn't have the control. Oh, he booted himself. <laughs> All right, so we're going to over-unders here. Uh, I just want to draft Thaddeus Moss somewhere so I can trade him to Matt for a fifth-round pick and know I got a steal. Fifth-round pick? Fifth-round pick. I'll give you my 2021 first-round pick for Thad Moss. Let's do it right now. Put, put your money on the table. Don't back out. Let's do this. All right, so well, Dwayne Haskins. Over- I'd have to acquire Thad Moss first. I'm sure you could get him for like a fourth round pick or probably a dollar off the free The way Dennis said he'd have to acquire him makes it sound like he's afraid he's going to get Thad Moss the way people are afraid they're going to get COVID-19. Yeah. Could be true. Could be true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Dwayne Haskins over or under on QB 24 in 2020. That's a pretty good number. Uh, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say he's going to be just outside of it. I'm also going over. 
I got to go under. I said 20 to 24, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, an ADP of 216, he's being drafted as QB 27. Just before him, Tom Brady, Teddy Two Gloves, Bridgewater, and Drew Brees. You taking him over any of those three? I am not. Mm, I might, I'm taking him probably over Bridgewater. Uh, but I, I think – Breeze and Brady still have a good couple years, and so I would probably take them. As much as it pains me to say this, uh, I would take him over Brady. I don't want Brady on my team, but I would not take him over Bridgewater or Breeze, and that may just be spite on Brady, but fuck it. Give me Askins. Right after him, Cam Newton, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and David Carr. Would you take any of those three over Haskins? Maybe Carr. It's tough for me to take Newton. He doesn't have a team. Well, you know, Matt would probably say that's better for Newton than Haskins. So. Yeah. I, so I'm not taking him. Uh, I'm not taking Ben over him. Carr. I, it would be a situation where do I think I need to have a a top twenty four quarterback this year? Uh, but there's really there's hey, how, how big Derek a guarantee going to be a top twenty. He could be twenty four. Can't wait till we get to the Raiders discussion <laughs> at this point in time. What about you, Matt? Still, I'm still reeling over here. Um, I would take Cam. I, I still just don't believe that he's not going to end up somewhere. He may even end up in Washington taking Askins' job after two weeks of what they they see around Ramirez like pulling the plug and going, "Eh, give me give me my boy back." Uh, I might actually that that deep, depending on if you're just looking for somebody to play or prospect. I might take Ben too because I actually think uh, he and plug your ears, Matt. He and the Steelers may uh, bounce back a little bit on the pad. They can't be any worse than what they were last year. Which what happened? What were you saying? <laughs> I might have taken the Steelers' pass offense over Haskins last year too. Well, I mean, Ben will get you those eight home games. Yeah. It's true. Which is probably more of a guarantee than I've got with Dwayne right now. Uh, I would I would not take any of those three over over Dwayne Haskins. Darius Geis, RB23 in 2020. Nope. Matt just kicked himself off that time. That wasn't me. Uh, I'm going to say over just because I think Geis needs to prove it. And they're going to probably try to manage his touches. Uh somewhat so i i think he'll be a high-end rb3 yeah i'm going uh, over too yeah so am i i think he's going to be in between that 24 to 28 range I, I still like him but i think what we talked about earlier with antonio gibson as well i think it's really going to hurt him. They, they really wanted him it seemed like in the draft and i think that's going to eat into his role just a little bit uh now it, if if guys turns in a rb16 season won't surprise me one bit though Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. Uh, ADP of 76, he's being drafted as RB29 just ahead of him. David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, and James Conner. Are you taking him over any of those three? Uh, Probably David Johnson. I just can't bring myself to believe. Um, I'm not going to take him over Hunt, and I'm not going to take him over Conner. I wouldn't take him over any of those three. Uh, definitely not over Hunt. Johnson would be a coin flip for me. Uh, I refuse to own any Pittsburgh Steelers, so I'd definitely take him over James Conner. So, yeah, he's got to stay on brand, right? Uh, right after him, Keyshawn Vaughn, Raheem Mostert, and Carrion Johnson. Would you take any of those three over him? I would take Vaughn. 
but I've also been on board saying I think Vaughn's going to have a huge year this year. So, so again, got to stay on brand. I'm taking Vaughn. What about you guys? I, I, I don't think I would. I think I would take Geis over all three of those guys. As much as it pains me on carry-on. I would take all three of them over Geis. Okay. All right. All right. Just add another running back to the list that Matt hates right under Melvin Gordon. Well, yeah. I wasn't super high on guys coming out. I I didn't like him, and nothing I've seen in the, the last two years has changed my mind. Fair enough. Antonio Gibson, RB33 in 2020. So how many passes is he going to have to catch? Because he, he's not going to get, I don't believe, sustained carries. So to finish as an RB3, he's going to have to catch, what, 60 passes? Depends on the yards and touchdowns, obviously. But, yeah, I would say probably that's got to be close between 50 and 60. So, I mean, the only reason I could see it is because of the wide receiver core and tight end core they have after outside of McLaurin isn't and super Thad strong. Moss. Let's not Wait, you're not Moss. a fan of Thaddeus Moss? <sighs> He's not even going to make the team. <laughs> You're saying Randy Moss has a better chance of making the team? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. And he'd be more – you know, let's put them both on there. Randy will outproduce him three to one. Oh, come on. Yeah. No, uh, he'll catch one pass for three yards and a touchdown and outproduce him three to one. Um, Where were we at? I got off track. Are you doing over under 33? Oh, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. I, I think I, there's too many running backs there and not going to be enough volume. I'm going to say a slight over, too. I think he's a, a bottom-end RB3. All right. I am going to go under. I think he is going to uh, catch a fair amount of passes. I was trying to pull up uh, Chris Thompson really quick, and this is just not working for me at all. There we go. That works better. So Chris Thompson, who is obviously there um, receiving back throughout most of his career, when he was healthy, he did miss a lot of games. The most catches he ever got was 49. Uh, But then again, he never played a full 16-game season. But he averaged a lot of uh, fairly decent amount of yards, uh, not a lot of touchdowns, though. But I do think Antonio Gibson is just a little bit better player than Chris Thompson. So I'm going to take him, uh, especially if guys gets hurt. I wouldn't be surprised if they let Antonio Gibson get some run as the running back as well, uh, especially to spell Adrian Peterson because that dude cannot continue to do what he's been doing. He, he's going to eventually suck or turn into oh. dust off the field. So uh, I think Antonio he Gibson – He just started lifting weights again after you heard you say that. That's all right. I don't know. All right, so just uh, – oh, sorry. His ADP is 122, being drafted as RB41. Just ahead of him, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, and A.J. Dillon. Would you take him over any of those three? I would take him uh, over probably Mack and Dillon. Same for me. Uh, Mack for me. Uh, I like Dylan's chances in Green Bay. The fact that they drafted him where they did, I think they clearly want him. Not a believer in Jamal Williams, and I don't. We talked about before with the Green Bay show. Think Aaron Jones could be gone out of Green Bay. So Dylan with the chance to be a starting running back, I'd still take Dylan over Gibson. Just behind him, Philip Lindsay, James White, and Jordan Howard. Would you take any of those three over Antonio Gibson, Matt? I would take Lindsay. Uh, I would take Howard. I would take the better Denver running back in Philip Lindsay over Antonio Gibson, but that is it. Um, the only good Denver running back. <laughs> 
Either, neither, or both as backups, Adrian Peterson and Bryce Love. And what, I ask, what I'm asking you this is just would you draft them? Their ADPs are extremely low. They are pretty much dart throws. Peterson with an ADP of 222 being drafted as RB74. And Bryce Love, ADP of 236, RB84. Would you take either one of them? And if you did, do you expect them? Or who would you take, I guess, to be the backup to Darius guys? I would take Peterson. If I draft Geis, I'm probably looking to grab Peterson late just because of Geis's injury history. Um, I've I've got a, as much as I love Bryce Love in his junior year of college, I have to see something from him before I can get on board. Uh, I feel like he's uh, he's at risk of uh, you know be, being Devonte Booker. Well, at least Devontae Booker actually made a contribution on the field. That point. is true. Uh, you know, I have a, some shares of each really, you know, late in drafts. Love I actually grabbed at the end of some rookie drafts last year, just holding him to see. I was more optimistic for him before we watched the current draft play out and have seen some of the off off-season signings. I think – if if you were betting on one of them to to give you something this year, it's probably Peterson's a better bet because I think he's a better fit as a primary backup to guys who has struggled to stay on the field. Uh, yeah, I would uh, I would agree. I I might still take Love depending on who's on the board because I still believe in the talent. But uh, Peterson, I think if you have guys, you have to take especially that late. That's around eight round eighteen. You're really probably not getting much else there. Take the backup to Darius, guys. You'll be fine. Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 18 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to go under. I'm sadly going to go over. I'm going to go under as well. Not much under. I think he finishes like wide receiver 17, but hey. I'm going to go under. I, I, I think he's going to have a good year this year. He, he's going to be that passing offense. I mean, yeah. Uh, ADP of 48, wide receiver 24. Just ahead of him, Jerry Judy, DJ Chark, and Keenan Allen. Would you take him over any of those three? I would take him over Judy and Chark. I would take him over all three. I kind of think I'd take him over all three, too. Uh, I love DJ Chark. Judy's not even a question for me. Judy won't be the one. That's Sutton for me, and we know McCorn's going to be the one on that team. Allen's the interesting one for me, and I believe in my guy Herbert, but I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to be able to get him the ball early. Uh, so I'd probably take McLaurin over all three. Just after him, Robert Woods, Debo Samuel, and Tyler Lockett. Are you taking any of those three over McLaurin? Nope. Nope. I agree. AGG, wide receiver 40 in 2020. Over. Over. I'm going to go under. I'm going to take one of these guys to have finishes as, as probably a low-end wide receiver three. Yeah, put him at 36. Wide receiver, low-end wide receiver three. Uh, ADP of 198, wide receiver 81. Just ahead of him, Tyler Johnson, Miles Boykin, and Devin Duvernay. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm taking him over Tyler Johnson and probably uh, Duvernay as well. I would take him over Boykin and Duvernay. I would take him over all three, and I love Tyler Johnson, but Boykin and Duvernay, I don't, I don't trust either one of those in that Baltimore offense that just supports Mark Andrews. Um, just after him, Josh Reynolds, 
his teammate Steven Sims and Antonio Brown. Are you taking any of those three over AGG? Uh, I think Sims is probably going to produce more this year. So if I'm looking for something this year, uh, it's probably going to be Sims. Uh, Man, Reynolds is tough. You know, I I don't think – I don't think uh, Jefferson is going to take Reynolds' job, but I also don't know if the running 12 personnel with uh, Everett is uh, is going to keep Reynolds off the field either. Uh, I, I think Jefferson next year will be will be the guy one of the guys there. Um, definitely not taking Antonio Brown over him. So I'd say I'd take Sims and it'd be a coin flip with Reynolds. I still don't understand why Antonio Brown is continuing to go this high. I don't know. Hope springs eternal for Brown stands, I guess. But uh, I would, I might, I think I would take Sims over him. I mean, I just said I think AJG is going to be better than Sims, so I can't take him over, and I wouldn't take um, Reynolds or Brown. Uh, Steven Sims, wide receiver, thirty-one. I imagine both of you are going to go over. So yeah, over. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, I don't. I I think he he'll finish as a, a low end three. So I'm I'm gonna say over as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you almost, we were like, oh, Dennis, was, take a swing, take a swing. <laughs> well, no, you know, I get confused over and under, which is which. It's uh, so, in the chat. <laughs> I'm looking right at it. <laughs> Sims has an ADP of 199, being drafted as wide receiver 83. Just ahead of him, Josh Reynolds, AGG, and Tyler Johnson. Are you taking him over any of those three? Uh, well, I think, didn't I just say on AGG that I'd take Sims over him? <laughs> yeah, you did. Come on, man, I'm old. Don't make me try to remember. Don't make me try to remember shit like that. As time that, ago, you that know. was dirty. That was you tried to do me dirty right there. Uh, boy, I, I'm gonna let's see. Simpson Reynolds are 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 close for me. I I, I I'm not taking Johnson over him. Uh, be a coin flip with Reynolds, I think. I'd take him over AGG and Reynolds. Uh, I would take him over Johnson, but probably not Reynolds or I got to stay on brand. I can't take him over AGG. Just after him, Antonio Brown, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, and Jalen Hurd. Are you taking any of them over Sims? Nah, I don't think so. No, but did you guys see the workout? over the weekend where Jalen Hurd was in there and the greatest comment was, doesn't that look like Kyle Shanahan with a man bun? And I looked at it so many times and I was like, oh my God, it does. It does. <laughs> uh, I would take JJ just because I think he's going to, I talked about it. I think uh, Jalen Rager is really going to help open things up for him. So yeah, I, if, if I'm nothing, I'm consistent on staying on my brand. And so I'm going to take JJ all right, the tight ends, my favorite discussion for Washington here. Uh, none of them are being drafted, like, at all. In Probably fantasy. a good goddamn reason, too. <laughs> if you had to plant your flag on one, and that's how we're going to end the NFC East. Oh, God. Who would you pick? Their roster consists of Jeremy Sprinkle, 
don't know who Richard Rodgers is, Logan Thomas, Caleb Wilson, Wait, and the wasn't Richard Rodgers uh, formerly with the Packers? He caught that is one of Aaron Rodgers' hail marys. Yes, he did. That's cool. I'm, yeah, I do watch football. No, I don't. I'm just here. I just asked the question. What is football? Are you talking about when they kick the ball into the goal? Football? Oh, Go ahead. Man. I wish we could boot you off again. Oh, no. Wait. Oh, man, my finger got stuck. Never mind. It's not worth it now. Go. I'm going to play my flag on Fatty Smalls. Why not? I've been doing it all podcasts. Got to stay on brand. What about you two? You're going to play your flag? You got to pick one. Just pick one. Doesn't mean they're going to be fantasy relevant. Just Give me there. the sprinkle. Sprinkle? All right. Dennis? Uh, I I like Sprinkle. I was actually trying to pull up his player profiler to he see what is terrible last year. He had some good filling games too. Uh, here, Jeremy Sprinkle last was, year. He started thirteen games for them. He caught twenty six passes for two hundred forty one yards. I have regrets right now. So it, I mean, he had a four seven forty hunt seventy ninth percentile speed score. I mean, he's he's not a terrible athlete. Um, Look, he was better than Trey Quinn last year. Yeah, I mean, the same number of targets. He, he's no, I mean, he's no Hale Hentges, who you left off the list. No, I didn't even know he was. Is it on too there. late for me to just go back and say I'm claiming Jordan Reed? I feel like even wherever he's at, he's he's still tight so, end on there. The guy you want to plant your flag on in Washington is Caleb Wilson. All right. He's six foot four, 240 pound with a four, five, six, 40, 88th percentile speed score, uh, 92.91st uh, percentile college dominator rating, late breakout age at 22. Uh, he caught 60 passes for 965 yards his senior season. So he's, he's fast, he's big, he's athletic. Uh, if, if I'm going to plant my flag, uh, I'm going to do it on somebody that's big and athletic instead of somebody that's small and unathletic. All right, so that's going to do it for the NFC East. We'll be back, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, on Friday to preview the start of the NFC West, which I believe is the 49ers and Seahawks because they made the playoffs, so that would be correct. Uh, we are doing a listener league this year. Matt has graciously offered to take over commissioner duties since he hasn't quite caught up to me yet, but he is getting there. And I've been in way too many leagues. I don't want to do anymore. Um, so we have decided that it's going to be 14 teams super flex right now. We have five people in already. You've got earth. Dennis, well, technically you... we have four because Dennis is still on the fence about whether he Okay, so we have four right now. Me, Matt, and Tony are in, and then Jonathan Weber, who won the league last year, uh, was brought back in because he's the reigning champion. Um, Matt, is there anything else you want to say on it or anything you want to bring up before? Uh, I think we're going to announce Thursday probably at the end of the podcast the first time, or the first way to kind of get yourself into the league. Yeah, and our, our league's set up on Sleeper, so um... – you know, hopefully you're familiar with that platform and that's where we're, we're going to be at. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I will. Uh, same thing as last year. Winner, I will give. Um, you can pick any shirt that you want. We got the rookie ones. I'm still working on getting uploaded right now. We've got some of the old school, old school ones as well. Winner will get a free uh, free shirt from, from me, from our site. Uh, we've got Remon Davis, the running back from Temple, coming on Thursday. I'm excited about him. I'm a big fan of his. 
Uh, he's a pretty cool guy. I've been able to talk to him a little bit on Twitter. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we'll have him on for about 30 minutes or so Thursday, at which point we will then break down our 24 through 13 quarterbacks for fantasy. So I'm excited about that. That will do it for us today. We will see you guys again on Thursday. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. Stay cool. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle him at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>